Welcome, everyone, to Ice Prep Podcast. We are back. We took a little bit of a Christmas break, and even if we didn't, that kind of would have been a forced break anyway, with the World <laughs> Juniors getting canceled, all the games being postponed, and starting the new year off on Episode 9. How's it going, Pat? Not too bad. I hope everyone uh, who's tuning in had a good break. They were able to, if they had a break at all, uh, they were able to relax, do whatever they needed to get done, ate way too much food, you know, the good stuff. And luckily, it kind of worked out uh, not having any episodes in between because, yeah, it would have just been a lot of, well, there's Omicron and postponed games and not much else. And this week... There's obviously still postponed games, but there's a lot more kind of going on out there. Um, a lot of it having to do with Canadian teams and not even because of postponements, which is even more fun. Yeah, like the the Canadian division, the North division. There, <laughs> with there's one been, good team. Oh, wait, now two. There, there's been one consistent that has, they've said, this team will be good, and then they've been good, and that is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Otherwise, everyone else is just a, a roll of the dice. They spin the wheel to just, you know, this month we're going to be good. This month we're going to be, you know, lose 15 in a row or something like that. You know, It's a literal roller coaster. It's unreal. I can't believe... It, I'm sorry. I guess I, I misspoke. Calgary is still doing pretty well. Um, Ish. Actually, no, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're actually not doing that great lately. So, yeah, it's... Uh, it's a lot. There, there's. It's confusing. <laughs> One day we'll get a week where it's just like, yeah, not a lot happened up in Canada except for games were played, I guess, and outside right now because we're recording on Friday. I have a snow squall where I am. You're not too far away in the city. You said it's clear there, so it's it's welcome to Canada. Yeah, no, being in the snow belt's a lot of fun here in London. So it's a. It's enjoyable. I have a, a an ice rink that I'm building in my, my backyard when in, in Ontario they decided, hey, you know what would be really neat to start the year off? Locking everyone down again. So when that announcement came out, I said, screw it. And I bought an outdoor rink kit. And I now am currently doing that. Uh, I found out that my backyard is not even. And <laughs> that has made the outdoor rink very difficult to set up. So... I'm in the midst of trying to get that going. Uh, I'm not a strong skater, but I am going to teach myself how to skate better this year on my tiny, tiny, tiny little ODR. I was I was going to say, for visual sake, um, how many feet by feet are we talking here? Um, I want to say it's probably about 20 feet long, which isn't too bad. Well, that's not bad. too bad. Um, but it's relatively narrow. It's only about, you know, 12 feet wide so i can fit a net in i can shoot some pucks it's been a bit since i've done that on ice but yeah uh, actual ripping around the rink won't be a thing because if i take a corner too hard i'm gonna fall into like my <laughs> vegetable garden so hey you've got an outdoor rink though that's something i can't say is in my backyard unless uh like i get a flood and then half my yard just freezes so i mean if you need help flooding your backyard i know a guy so buckets <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. If you decide to ever do an outdoor rink, make sure you do it when your hose is still, like, functional. Um, I've had to carry over 200 buckets of water um, into my backyard, pour them out painstakingly, and then I find out there's a small leak in the tarp, so I have to wait for that to heal. And all. Uh, it's, been, it's been a lot. <laughs> hey, it, it's just getting you your exercise, you're getting outside. You'll, you'll the most exercise out. I've done in... Well, since this pandemic started, so, yeah. Pat unintentionally had the, like, resolution to start working out more. He didn't realize it was going to be to get an outdoor rink going. Honestly, like, I, I set up that resolution last year of I'm going to do this this regimented workout, and then it lasted for six days, and then that was it. But I did have an entire calendar, an entire year's worth of scheduled workouts that I had painstakingly written out by hand because I figured if I put that work in, I would do it. And it lasted six days. That's it. <laughs> that's so, that's usually about how it goes. That's why for uh, my family, we didn't call it a resolution. We've talked about it for a while. Um, we're going to try and do 2,022 kilometers of family walks this year. Which it's like, hey, that doesn't sound too bad, except for um, 
one little one isn't even three months old yet, and the other isn't two, so it'll be a lot of stroller sledding carrying, but should be. It's just one of those fun things, and where we're going to try and get to provincial parks to do walks there and whatnot, so. That'll be less, good. Less of resolution, more just like, let's get outside more, I guess, would be the resolution. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I don't want to do any resolutions, because every single time I put that title on it, I fail miserably, so... Um, yeah, it's just primarily just, I'm kind of in the same boat, get outside more. I spent way too long inside last year, as I say, as I'm recording inside in the tiniest little room that I have. Yeah. I think everybody's gotten to the point where it's like, I've had enough of just being inside. I agree. Um, yep. let's, let's swap from there. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's talk hockey. Let's, let's go into hockey. Now we've got a lot here that we can look at. Obviously there's been, um, two, unbelievable goals this season as of a few nights ago we now have a third though one of those goals is more of an assist than the goal Mm -hmm. um it is unfair that the best player on your team is a defenseman that makes everybody else look stupid yeah kale mccarr he is wonderful uh he's he's great to watch i mean if you've been able to watch any of the avalanche games i understand they're they're difficult to tune into though I know, right? Saturday. There will be. there. Yeah, there's one coming up that uh, I, I think Leaf fans are like, yay, we get to play a game. Oh, no. Yeah, it's the so Avs. They're going up against the Avs. And, like, you look at the last 10, and the Avs versus Toronto, you know, that's that's going to be a good matchup between the two of them because both of them are on a, a pretty good tear. 7-2-1 uh, seven two, seven, two for the Leafs, and... Uh, eight one and one for Colorado, so pretty damn good. Um, but yeah, back to Kale's goal. I don't know if anybody saw Makar's goal. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the entire internet did. Like I went, I, I I yelled so loud that I scared my wife. Do you know who didn't see it? No, Kirby Doc. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, Kirby Doc didn't see it because he immediately exploded out of embarrassment. Because that's he what I would have done. He just ran and hid. That defensemen are not supposed to be able to score goals like that. And no. the thing is, with with Makar, yes, he's a defenseman. He's not just pure offense because we've seen those. Like Quinn Hughes, he's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. He is what you would call a straight up like he is offense first. Makar mm-hmm. still has he pulls off defensive moves like Hedman does. It's not just a one one dimensional like he he can play both avenues easily. Yeah, like he he has no problem throwing the body. He looks like a child, but he has quite a good amount of hits. I think in that game he had two to three hits, which is amazing. He blocked five shots in that in the last game. Uh, sorry, no, I'm talking about now the, the I looked at the stats for the previous game, which happened uh, Thursday night. Um, but. Yeah, so he blocked five shots, two to three hits. He had a bunch of shots on net. Time on ice is really high. Like he's he's an all around amazing player. He could play. He could literally play any position. I wouldn't be surprised if his face off percentage was at like eighty percent. Like the kid <laughs> just is, throw him out at all times. The kid is a superstar, and it's great to see. It's really nice to see uh, that again. You know, you you look back at Colorado when they first were. You know brought in as a team he had like Forsberg and Sackick and Waugh and I mean it's it's fun to see uh names like that sort of coming into fruition with McKinnon and Rantanen and McCarr like seeing you know those big superstars on the ice it's a lot of fun but how does it make you feel knowing that he'll probably never win a Norris trophy I mean it is what it is Uh, you'd probably rather the cup than the hardware the individual hardware anyway Oh, absolutely. Um, but for me, the, I think one of the questions that I think we need to ask is, is he actually the best defenseman on the team? And I don't think he is. Well, I'm not saying he's a bad defenseman because holy crap, he's amazing. Yeah, that's one of those things that you kind of have to quantify in like defender that when they're on the ice, are they complete shutdown? Is the other team not going to score as much? Or are you talking about defenders that are like, hey, if they're on the ice, they are an additional threat to score? So, in all of that, comparing Kale McCarr to Devon Taves... Devon oh, you mean that player that you basically got for next to nothing from the Islanders? What was yeah. that, two or three years ago in a throwaway yeah. deal? Yeah. You know, just this this scrub of, def- of a defender that currently has a higher points per game. Than Kale McCarr. Jeez. 
Now, I'm not saying that he's the better defender forever, but he's currently playing at a better rate than Kale McCarr. He is consistent, 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 consistent. Kale McCarr, he does go in a lot. Like, he's the, Devon Taves is the blue liner. Like, he sits up there, he's the quarterback, regardless what's happening. McCarr will go in. This is sort of the partnership that they had uh, previously. Um, I think it was... Oh, was it with yeah, Graves? It was, it was with Gravy, yeah. So now that Graves is with New Jersey, Graves would sit at the point, McCarr would go in. Taves does the same thing, but he can also go in and do a lot of damage too. He's also got a hell of a shot that he knows where to put it. He's very accurate with that slap shot from the point, so... It's not to score, it's more to put it on a stick or to shoot for rebound. So he's very, very talented, and not enough people are talking about him. He's only played 20, or sorry, he's only played uh, 19 games this season because of injuries and COVID, but he has 22 points. Makar has played 26 games and has 28 points. So they're kind of on the same projector. The only difference for me is when you look at it, uh, you've got five goals, 17 assists. Makar mm-hmm. is pulling off the um, Leon Dreisaitl. He has even goals to assist right now, 14-14. That, to me, like, yes, uh, Devon Taves, he's more of your stay at home. He's got the, the stat line that you'd expect. couple goals, a lot of assists, but Makar, like, if the Tims picks, if Makar shows up, you pick him over almost anybody else in the league at this point. Yes, but for it, when it comes to if you're looking at the Hart Trophy or, you know, Calder race back when, yes, absolutely, those are the stats that to me would stick out more. As a defenseman, so for the Norris, if we're talking Norris, if it's a toss-up between McCarr and Taves, the number, and I, this is kind of a contested one, and I get that, the one thing that I would be looking at is plus-minus as a defenseman. That's where defensemen generally stand out a bit more. When they're on the ice, you want them to be a plus. You do not want them to be a minus. Devon Taves is at 11, and Kale McCarr is... Or, sorry, other way around. Devon Taves is at 22, plus 22, and Kale McCarr is at plus 11. That's a pretty big delta there, meaning okay. that when Taves is on the ice... There's more goals going into the net and less goals going into their own net. And there's only two other defenders in the league uh, in the top 50 for points that are a plus 20 on the um, plus minus. Can you guess one of the two? Victor Hedman. Uh, No, he's only plus 11, surprisingly. Adam Fox. Uh, No, we're not going to play this this guessing game because you've just gone one and two on the points, people. Aaron Ekblad at plus 21. And you'd you'd probably never guess the uh, the other one plays for Washington, Dmitry Orlov. Good for him. He's at a he's at a plus twenty right now. Yeah. So you, you look at those numbers, and those are those are good things. So I'm not saying, and I do, please don't think that I think that Kale McCarr is bad at the defense because that is just no, that's a lie. Um, I just think that right now. Devontae's as long as he keeps it up, I think that his name should be a little bit higher up on the Norris Trophy conversation because I think that he is performing at a level that's Norris worthy. Un- unfortunately, it'd be one of those things that if you've got the Avs trying to push, mm-hmm. because Makar's flashier, because he yep. gets those highlights more, he the NHL wants the highlight guy. It's why Hedman, he, he throws up highlights all the time. Adam Fox last year, you want the highlight real guy. Yeah, there have been times when the player that's just kind of like in the background, but how often in everyday hockey talk do you see the name Devin Devon Taves thrown around? Not really ever. Whereas Makar, it's kind of like a you you want the brand to win. It's the same thing with with the heart. Like it's why usually a superstar wins it for a reason, even if it shouldn't always be said superstar. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Um but if we're going to be on trophy talk, I want to know who do you pick as your what are we thirty six games? Is that the peak? Um, is yeah, that the I most think that's that the played? the max right now, and the the lowest is low. Okay, so who do you pick with maximum thirty six games played as your Vesna number one? Thirty seven, actually. 
oh, Vegas 37. because of because of last night. Same difference. Um, as of right now, uh, right. I I know what if Calgary wasn't on a bit of a slide. To me, this is so easy. But because of that, oh, is I hate tough? I hate to say it. But as it stands right now, I think it has to be Jack Campbell. It's for me, yeah, I think it has to be him. Um, we say with such a bitter taste in our mouth. Uh, <laughs> he's he's honestly proved that he can be a starter. Like, that's still, oh, yeah. you look online, everybody's like, he's unproven, he's unproven. The last two seasons, he has been one of the top regular season goalies. Yes, but the regular season wasn't that regular. Um, yes. So you you also keep, have to keep in mind that his workload, even if he played every single game last season, that's still the same amount as a normal starter. At uh, what was it, fifty four games or fifty six games along Something that line? Like that, yeah. That's pretty par for the course for most starters. The year before, I don't even th- I don't think he was the starter. Remember, Freddie was in net then. Uh, it started that way. Then Freddie got injured, and then Campbell ended up what setting that new record of. Was it yeah. 11 or 12 wins to start the season in a row? Um, but the only even if he played every single game for the rest of that season, that's still not a full starter season. Um, if I can do a sleeper pick, because right now I think Jack Campbell's the, like, sexy pick. Yep. Um, don't sleep on uh, UC Soros. Oh, okay, I thought you were going to go Tristan Jari. No. Yeah, the Penguins, as of right now, have won 10 straight. They're... Yep. St- they're in the playoffs. Imagine winning ten straight, and you're still you still haven't cracked the top three. I guess that's what happens when you start off slow. Yeah. But look at Nashville; they're atop the Central right now, mm-hmm. and it was we knew uh, UC Saros would be good, but they don't have Pecorine anymore. He's been their backstop for what like the almost the entire length of the Predators being a team in existence. Pretty much. Yeah, and I mean, Rene, obviously, that's a name that is going to be in going down in history. Like, they're going to retire his number. Like, Oh, absolutely. Like, they put a banner up for anything, it'll be for him. Yeah, it's if true. If they like, didn't already, actually. I'm... Have they already put up their banner for their one millionth hot dog sold? Because I feel uh... like that would be something they would do. Because <laughs> Nashville. Why not? Um, but all jokes aside with that, UC Soros, um, he... He's surprising me. I thought he was not going to be that good um, and because of just history and everything like that. Everyone was saying, oh, watch out. He's going to be something. And I kind of scoffed at it. And, I mean, I am eating every one of those scoffs. He is really putting on a clinic. He is showing that he is worth investing in and building the team in front of them. And sure. he is unique in the fact that he's a shorter goalie, saying yes. that he's he's 5'11". So, yes, in, in goalie terms... He's short, and yep. he is showing, like, maybe it's one of those things that, because you've got, well, Bishop's retired now, was the tallest goalie in NHL history or tied for. But, like, you look at the top ten goalies, they're all very tall. Maybe we're finally getting to that point, whereas it took players like Marner, Dabrinkit, uh point coming into the league, where it's like, maybe these smaller goalies that have the moves, you don't start overlooking them. Yeah. No, it's... um it's it's a it's a really interesting thing and like you look at uh yeah like you said everybody that's on the top 10 right now and i don't think i would have predicted this this top 10 for save percentage or goals against average i think i would have gotten one right yep one andre vasileski yeah like who would have guessed who would have guessed a former london knight goalie is near the top of the gaa in the league right now yeah it's it's pretty amazing um, to to see this. It's it's actually kind of fun to see uh, all of these these names on here. So you've said Campbell. That's your way too early pick for Vesna. I said Campbell. That's my way too early pick for Vesna. But if I, I get want... a runner up, then I have to say UC Saros. Okay, and I would say Tristan Jari. I think I think we'd. I'm in agreement that I think Jari, for me, would end up in that third spot, but not putting Vasilevsky there just seems like I'm going to lose no matter what. But yeah. it, as it stands right now, yeah, to me, you got Campbell, Jari, and Saros. That sounds like a solid top three. Yep. Um, all right, so then 
awards that are too early. We've already, I think we we both kind of agree that Makar is kind of near the top when it comes to Norris. But yeah, I like it. You know, for the next few years, you and I have talked about this even the last oh, yeah. few days. It's like it's either going to be uh, Fox or Makar. Hedman yeah. could could still get it, but if the NHL wants to move forward, you want the two early twenty kids battling back and forth for the next like decade as your one and two defenders. Absolutely. Um, so let's move over to the Hart Trophy. Now, this is one that I hate more than anything in the world because Nathan McKinnon has been robbed of this way too many times. And I also hate the weird hidden criteria of this award. You, There's this sort of unwritten rule that if you don't make it into the playoffs, your chances of getting the Hart Trophy are slim. Ah, Taylor Hall winning it over McDavid. Yes. they. But he made it into the playoffs that year. Remember? I know. That's why Taylor Hall won it. He was like 30-odd points right. less. Mind you, I think the a big part of it was because he had, if I'm not mistaken, because I'm pretty sure that was Nico Heischer's rookie year, it was like almost 40 or 50 points more than the second point getter on the team. So it was like everybody was on Taylor Hall's back. But, yeah, the the whole thing with you have to make the playoffs – it to me, it's dumb. It's like no, it should go to the most valuable player on yeah. any like to your team. Doesn't matter if you make the playoffs or not. Yeah, and then the other thing that kind of bothers me is that title of it alone, the most valuable player, because Connor McDavid and Leon Drysital are absolutely going to be front runners for this award. Am I wrong? No, not at all. So the real question then becomes, how can one team have two most valuable player candidates? That, to me, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's because why... That's that why... just seems like two really good players playing for a team. That's not doing well. But even <laughs> still, is it that they're that valuable? Because if you've got two assets that are that valuable, like... I mean, and this, the same could be said about Colorado. Nathan McKinnon or Miko Rantanen or Kale McCarr, all of them are performing out of their minds. So is Nazem Kadri, who's leading that team. Exactly. So you've got these four, and even Landeskog is kind of peeking in there too. So you've got really five people that in theory could be considered one of their most valuable players, which then at that point, there is no most valuable. It should be the player that like is absolutely the most valuable person on that team, the one that is driving that team forward. Taylor Hall was the most valuable player, in my opinion, as much as it hurts me to say, as much as, I mean, McKinnon was very close in that mentality too. Yep. Like he was doing similar things. But he had that, backup. Exactly. He wasn't playing on an island. <laughs> exactly. Whereas Hall is. I don't think that there's anybody on the Leafs that would be able to qualify for that because all of the like the the top line is performing and they're performing as they should. They are the most valuable player. It should be the player that is most valuable to the team. That's this is why I've argued this for quite a while. The heart has to just become this goes to the player who scored the most points because that yeah. 9 times out of 10 is what it becomes because to me the Ted Lindsay Award is the bigger deal than the Hart because the Hart is awarded by the media. The Ted Lindsay is awarded by the players. Yep. And the players know who the best player is without question, which is why if you look back, it's it's a very small list of players who have won it. The Hart should honestly just become who got the most points. We already have the Rocket Richard of who got the most goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... So with that all in mind, with our rants of why we think that that award is terrible, I'm going to be casting my kind of weird, non-important vote for somebody that is the actual most important player on that team. Um, and right now, I would honestly put it as uh, probably Zagres. Ooh, I see. I'm going a completely different route, and I'd put I'd put Troy Terry over uh, Zegras at this point, just because he's what a few goals back uh, for the Rocket right now. But 
to he, me, yeah, he's he the is. most important player to that team. He like his energy, his drive paired with Terry, like the two of them together do a really good job. But I feel like him as a player, him on the team has rejuvenated the Anaheim Ducks. Unfortunately, believe, we know it won't go out that way, but no. yeah, the argument makes sense. I feel that when you look at the league and you look at the teams and you look at what's happening, Anaheim was not supposed to be anything and all of a sudden they are. And I directly contribute it to Trevor Zegris or Zegris or however you say it. Like one of the two, like I, is it Zebra or Zebra? Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but he has done amazing things for that team just by bringing that energy in. Like Getzlaff is playing like he's a kid again. Like there, there's something to be said about it. And I strongly believe that he should be, uh, he should be in talks for it because he has turned that team around in my opinion. If he keeps up the way he's playing, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some votes. Yeah. Um, I'm going completely opposite, in a, in a way. Um, he's not leading the league in points right now, so I'm not going to be going for um, McDavid, uh, which if he were to win, by the way, he would tie Mario Lemieux um, under Ted Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, we're talking heart, heart still. I was yep. looking at something else. Um, for the heart... Because it goes by points nine times out of ten. Um, I'm actually I'll throw this one out of left field. Jonathan Huberdeau. I'd love to see Hubie get an award. He is having an unreal season. Yeah. If the Panthers make it and he continues at this pace, if the Oilers don't, I think he's he's gotta be one of those front runners. He is still probably one of the most underappreciated forwards in the NHL. Yeah, we've never talked about him. He he <laughs> casually puts up like five-point nights every so often, and everybody's just like, yeah, that's kind of what he does. Yeah, like, it's it's amazing how great of a player he is and how little people talk about him. Like, the, he should have been one of the first names announced for the Canadian team, but nope. Just, 44 points in 34 games right now, plus 11. Yeah. That's on unreal. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if that's the case, then absolutely. Like, I would absolutely put him on my ballot as well. Um, and, yeah, I wouldn't be putting people, like, as much as, like, I, I love the abs. I, if the criteria was who is the most important player on the team, Huberto is absolutely the most important player. Barkov. He's good, but Huberto is carrying that team. He's pushing them, pushing them, pushing them. Um, and like I said, I don't think Toronto has that one player. Like, uh, you, you look at the the people that are making the money, and as much as they're all good, there's not one standout. Like, you have really taken the team and changed it. Unless Matthews somehow gets back on a pace like he was last year, going on 60-plus goals, I don't think... Yeah, I agree. I don't know if anybody is unless Campbell starts putting up ridiculous shutout numbers and then we finally get a goalie that's in the conversation for the heart again. I feel like it's been a long time for yeah. that one. Um, yeah. We'll go from that. I was talking Ted Lindsay. I'm not sure if you had this included. I do want to just go quickly on who you think the players will because for me, as it stands right now, if it's not Alexander Ovechkin, the players are wrong. Yeah, I think I would agree with you. The only thing that I can think of is if on the second half, Kale McCarr keeps doing what he's been doing, I could see people just, but simply from the talent that he's been producing, if it, I can't remember if a defenseman can win, but if they can, I wouldn't be surprised if his name was on a couple ballots as well. But yeah, uh, goalies can only. goalies can win it. Uh, there's only ever been one defenseman to win the 10 Lindsay. Can you guess it? Was it Leach? Bobby Orr. Ah, that's that makes a lot more sense. And no, <laughs> and this this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. Dominic Hasek won it twice. Yeah, yeah, and see, and that's the thing. Like they, he never won the cup, but at the same time, he was one of the best goaltenders that the NHL has seen ever. Oh, sorry, but there was another one. I'm not sure who Mike uh, Mike Lewitt is. Played for the Blues in the '80s. Well, uh, well. Sure. <laughs> sure. Anyway. Roast us online if you know who Mike Lewitt is, because that name does not ring any bells for me. So we've done... Uh, it's also St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. So we've done Vesna, Hart. Um, Lindsay. Lindsay, Norris. Yeah. I think the there's 
Well, I guess there is the Art Ross who leads the league in total points, but that basically goes to the Hart Memorial winner anyway. So I think the only other one that is worth looking at is Calder. And as it stands, well, until recently, it was a one-man show. And I have the feeling that somebody who you said could go for the heart might be who you have as your Calder leader. Yeah, I mean, uh, Zegras is definitely uh, doing wonderful things in Anaheim. I think that he's definitely worth uh, putting that name in the top spot. Um, I think it'll actually be a really close Calder race. Uh, Last year wasn't. I can't even remember who won last year. Uh, Was it not Kirill Kaprizov last year? Oh, yeah. Gross. Because it's the whole Artemi Panarin thing, rookie to the NHL, and then just absolutely dominate. Right, yeah. Um, So, yeah, that one was sort of just like a given. This one, I think, is going to be a little bit different. You've got some amazing talent in Detroit that's going to be knocking on that door. So, uh, it's just, yeah, it's going to be something. The brain says Lucas Raymond because obviously he's leading yeah. uh, rookies in points. The heart says Dawson Mercer because, yeah. like, it's I, – I can't remember the last time minus Jack Hughes as being, like, a Devils rookie that I have seen NHL actually put highlights out of. Because this kid, he reminds me of Blake Coleman. He just goes and goes. Mm. He's like – I'm going to go, I'm going to be the fastest person here. I'm going to, he has willed some games back for the Devils, which is fun to see. Obviously, it's going to be either Zegras or Raymond. I'm not stupid. The heart wants a Devil, but it it won't happen. Yeah, I mean, the heart wants an Av to win the heart, but it won't. Um, No, that won't happen. It's going to be McDavid or Dreisaitl, which will be, once again, disappointing. I don't think so. I think, I... We can. Do you want to? Do you want to go Oilers from this? Yeah. Let's let's talk about the dumpster fire that is the Edmonton <laughs> Oilers' past fifteen games. Was it? That they You're saying that two? too nicely, honestly. Yeah. Imagine, like, imagine starting your season so well that you can win two of your last fifteen games and you're still in a wild card spot. That is that, how bad the Oilers. They started so strong, and yeah, they are. I. <laughs> I mean, the writing was on the wall from the start of the season. They, in my opinion, they have been playing over-indexed from the very start of this season. You have two very, very good players in McDavid and Drysidle, like generational. They could go to any team, and they would still put up the same amount of points. They are. You don't even talk about like it's you've got the Edmonton Oilers and then you also have Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. They are two different teams. They are, in my like, opinion. You knew that McDavid would not keep on a Mario Lemieux pace of what was it nope. like two point something um, points per game. You knew that it was going to fall. I just don't think anybody expected the fall to be uh, a cliff and not just like a small little hill. Yeah, I. Honestly, I kind of did. I'm, and I'm not trying to, to be that like, <laughs> you're wrong. Um, but it's just, <laughs> you look at their depth and what you want to call it. Like, the depth of the Edmonton Oilers is, you know, shallower than a kiddie pool. It is awful. Darnell it's Nurse, smaller than Pat's backyard rink. Exactly. Darnell Nurse is not worth the price tag that he was given. Nugent no. Hopkins is not worth the price tag he was given. Hyman is kind of, but not really. And then you've got a defensive pair that was just like, hmm, it didn't work in Toronto, but maybe it'll work in Edmonton. Like, you've got Barry, CeCe, then you also bring in uh, Duncan Keith, which, you know... I still cannot believe that the Oilers got rid of Ethan Bear. Dumb. Just dumb. There's... And I mean, for the Oilers, obviously, there's other things because they've, I think they've had like two or three of their defenders in their core actually like active on, but this has had Evan Bouchard step up. He's been amazing for them. They're going to trade ex- him. <laughs> <laughs> Excuses. Like, You're an asset. Get out of here. <laughs> at this point, I don't think they can because they need at least a defender that can do something. Yeah. Um, 
but like this this slide, yes, they they've had defenders injured, they've had them on the COVID protocol. Every team has had that, and then things get so bad that you've got the coach in the post game calling out the goalie, being like, "He was just bad." When was the last time you heard that? It's the whole team is divided. Um, and I can see the coach's frustration. I would, if I was the coach of the Edmonton Oilers, I absolutely would be throwing the goalie under the bus. Not because I don't like them, not because I don't think that they're performing, because I hope the GM listens and just gets me a new goalie that's actually good. Mike Smith is 40. Well, and we're not even talking about Mike Smith. That's not even who Mike Smith got (laughs) praised. That is the worst part. It was Koskin and that was called out. Well, and I I love good. that an interview in Finnish gets out and he's like, they scored seven goals total in six games with me and net. I can't score goals like the team that was set to break records for goals scored for their power play percentage and over seven or over six games, they score seven goals. It doesn't matter if your goalie gives up 30 in that game. If you only score one, you're not setting yourself up to win. And yet, well, now they're in an even worse situation because McDavid's still on the COVID protocol list. Like, luckily for the Oilers, uh, Vancouver is doing so well that they basically have to give a goalie up. Otherwise, they're going to be in cap hell next year. Yeah, I mean... I don't know what the solution is in Edmonton. I really don't. Um, I My gut says they have to get rid of one of their major assets. Um, you've got two people that are clearly the stars, and it might be all-star-itis. You look at Taylor Hall, for instance, with New Jersey. He was the star. Get him the puck. Make him do the things. Look how far it got them. First round exit. You look at Edmonton. I think feel like they're in a similar situation where they've got these two all-stars get them the puck they'll put it in the net which is great to have but you can't rely on that and like you said with the goaltending yeah they you know they get scored on a lot but Colorado was in a very similar situation for the past in I want to say the past month or so month and a half where they've let had a lot of high scoring games there was a game against philly where i think it was like eight six or something like that but they outscored the problem is that the solution no but that's what's expected of your star players to get on the ice and score some friggin goals you're connor mcdavid you're leon dreisaitl go to the net get a goal i know that's easier said than done but that's what you're being paid to do I mean, and here's part of the problem. Um, Take a, I'm not sure if you've looked, take a guess at how many goals, not points, Nugent Hopkins has. He's got something like four or five goals or something, right? Three. Three, good for him. Uh, And that is none on the power play. Mind you, 14 of his 26 points are assists on the power play, which means he basically went, ugh. And either uh, Dreisaitl or McDavid scored. So it's like, eh, you got the pity point. They're, <sighs> I know. And it's the same thing that happened with Barry. Uh, what was it, last year or the year before when he got a decent paycheck? But it was just, he's on the, like, he's the quarterback on the power play of people that can score goals at will, in theory. So, of course, he's going to get a lot of points. He's not really doing a lot. He's just doing the standard power power play quarterbacking. If you put any defenseman in there, they're going to score points. And that was kind of what they thought Hyman was as well. Only seven players on the Oilers have a power play goal this year. Yikes. Well, 18 of them come from Dreisaitl and McDavid. I mean, okay, so you say seven people. When you think about a power play, in theory, that is ten people. Yeah, so you've got Dreisaitl, McDavid, Pugliarvi, Hyman, Barry, Fogel, Cassian. And so I said 18 for the top two. When you do the math of the rest, 11. Yeah. That is not good. Because if one of those two players at the top is not playing, especially Dreisaitl, yeah. half of his goals are on the power play. So From if he corner. is not scoring on the power play, and we saw that one game against the Leafs, he just completely missed the open net from his spot. Like, we talked about that here on this podcast. 
Yeah. There is that, and then the whole oh. thing coming out now is that the Oilers brought in Duncan Keith because Ken Holland said that we needed a veteran presence in the locker room, and then it all started with him being, well, I take home remedies, but that's a whole other beast I don't want to get into. No. There is, there is something so wrong in Edmonton that they need to cut something out. I just don't think we know what it is. Only they do, and they're too afraid to do it. I think it would be amazing, amazing for hockey if they traded Connor McDavid. Oh, it would never happen. But I mean, at oh, the same no, time, it's gotta, Wayne it's Gretzky gotta. will never get tra- like. <laughs> I mean, could you the imagine f- the the uproar, especially if it was one for one? Oh yeah, if they did one for one for like Eichel, <laughs> um, <laughs> Vegas the- wouldn't a heartbeat. Oh yeah. But the fact, the fact that when you just were a, a few moments ago, you were talking about how uh, Drysidle missed the net, a uh, wide open net against Toronto. How are we about to have another convert? Like, how, how is there another conversation about literally an open net? This time it wasn't Drysidle, but it was McLeod. And not only did he not miss the net, he also didn't shoot the puck. And. I'm sitting I mean, here he's kind of falling as it happens, but... But even still, Jack Campbell, there's a wide open net. You probably you might have seen it online, but there's a wide open net, and McLeod has this rebound. It's on his stick, and it's... Like, I could make that shot, and I am not good at hockey. Um, and he passes it. But not only does he pass it instead of shooting, he passes it directly into Campbell's pads. But the toe of it. So further away from the net, that was wide open. And for some reason, all of the analysts are like, oh, you know, great save. Great, <laughs> great save, save by Campbell. Jack Campbell. I was like, if that's a save, then Cody Cece's slap shot in the bubble playoffs that went literally to the other side of the boards, that's a that's a shooting, that's a really high danger chance right there. That He almost <laughs> put that in. Yeah, with you know, sure it went twenty-two feet wide, but the goalie's ear was buzzing. It was that close. Oh yeah, just ringing in his ears. It was one honestly that I think that's the best thing that I've ever seen in hockey is Cody Cece, just the confidence of that man to take that shot so poorly. Wasn't well, the uh, you hear uh, the announcer too like Cody Cece shoots and then there's just silence. Cody <laughs> Cece shoots and it's wide and it's like wide. Yeah, he put it in the parking lot. <laughs> uh, but that's the same kind of feel for me so i don't know it's, what Edmonton's gonna do it's one of those when it rains it pours and they like it it's not pouring there there's also the foundation is leaking like the taps have just blown off water's coming everywhere i don't know what they're going to do this this reminds me of the chat we were having about vancouver yeah and vancouver did the thing yeah. they got rid of the coach that just was not working they brought in the world's most happy-go-lucky sweary man who everybody loves. Yeah. And I mean, they they still haven't lost in regulation with them. Like, here's how bad things are going in Edmonton. We haven't talked about the fact that the Vancouver Canucks are 8-1-1 and in their last 10 games. And that one regulation loss was under Travis Green. Yeah. Like, Vancouver saw the issue. They were just like, <laughs> Vancouver? okay. Vancouver? I said Vancouver. I, oh, I heard Vancouver. I'll have to check Vancouver. All right. So in Vancouver, they saw what was wrong. They they realized okay, there's something. There's a poison in the, the the offices as well as behind the bench. We need to fix that because we've got the team. I don't think Edmonton has the team that they think that they do, and I think that's the issue. I don't think like. Obviously, I think that Tippett uh, is probably going to lose his job. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the first card to fall. But you've got these two people that are heads and tails better than any other player on the ice. On the planet. Every single time they step on the ice, they are better than whoever else is on the ice. Like, I I know you can make arguments about Ovi and Sidney and Matthews and McKinnon and McCarr and, like, all these other... They are generational talents as well. McDavid and Dreisaitl are the best players in hockey, period. They should not be on the same team anymore. 
One, because I'm selfish and I want to see <laughs> uh, as much chaos in the NHL as possible. But also, I I think that is the issue, is that they've got too much star power in these two players and everyone else. Like, they tried to build a team around them and they couldn't. And they've even got the best contract in the league in Leon Dreisaitl. That's the thing. Like, uh, yes, Nathan McKinnon's yeah. contract is, is really good. Yes. But his next one's going to be real expensive. Leon Dreisaitl still locked in at what he is. When that was signed, everybody went, whew, what an overpayment. And then, like, the very next season, they were like, wow, what an underpayment. Yeah, I mean, they definitely, they have him for a really good price, but I just, I don't know. I really feel that we're at a point now where we're going to see something big happen, and they can't just keep moving around the assets that they have been moving around. You know, right winger and you know, a million dollars here, a million dollars there is not going to fix the problem. They no. need, yeah, it's it's got to be something big, and hopefully this time it's not getting rid of uh, first overall picks again, and then losing out on every single one of the trades. And now one of them's on Seattle and playing very well for them. The other one's mm-hmm. on Boston playing well. Hopefully, they need to. Yeah. I'm just going to say they need to look at a blockbuster trade. They need to they need two pieces. They need to replace the person they're trading and they also need to replace their friggin' goaltender. They need a proper starter, not some guy that should have retired 4 years ago and then also Miko Koskinen who just I don't know, I think that he found goalie pads and just was like, "Sure, I can do this." And then Edmonton was like, "Contract." He won um, like 3 games and Peter Shirelli said, "You're worth 5 million dollars." On that is a gross overpayment and like gross in multiple ways of saying the word gross. But good for Miko Koskinen um, and making all that money. Exactly. He'll never see it again. But they need to find a goaltender that's in that price range, and they also need to find another, and I'm saying winger, because I think they trade Leon. I don't think they're going to hold on to McDavid as much as I would love to see Mc, or I don't think they're going to trade McDavid, because as much as I would love to see McDavid traded, because the chaos that would ensue, I think that if out of the two, they would trade Leon Dreisaitl, because he's far more affordable for other teams to pick up, like you mentioned, it's the contract that's very delicious. $12 million is not easy to, to just throw onto your books. And Dreisaitl's the only and way you get rid of a bad goalie. Exactly. So you bring him in, and then you pair him with somebody else. You do a two-person trade sort of thing where you bring you have this all-star, and then you have sort of, not a scrub, but just somebody that's a little bit lower. Could even be Koskinen. And you trade them to another team for a, re- a pretty damn good starter and a pretty damn good winger. And that way, you're at least in better shape, in my opinion. The only issue with that, though, is what team is going to want to do that. And if we're in NHL 22, absolutely you can figure that trade out. In the real world, I I don't know if it happens. I don't think it will, um, because I don't think Edmonton has, I mean, to put it as the, scientifically as possible, I don't think they have the balls to do it. That, I disagree there. The, the one reason why, look at who the GM is. He did that every single year to keep the streak in Detroit alive. Mind you, that was more picks and assets than actual living, breathing bodies on the ice. At least they have a GM that has a history of basically just throwing everything to try and win. But if you're just doing that with league men, $1 million players, yeah, there's at least that. But if the coach has lost the room, it's the same thing as we saw with Vancouver. Do something. They are still in a playoff spot. They won't be soon if this continues. And it like they've got LA is one point behind them. San Jose is one point behind them. Vancouver mm-hmm. is three points behind them. So and Vancouver so- is hot. Well, yeah, like the teams. So Edmonton in their last ten are two, six, and two. L.A. six, three, and one. Vancouver eight, one, and one. You've got these teams that are just—they're not knocking on the door. They've lit the door on fire and they're running towards it with their shoulder out. Like they're—they <laughs> are ready to take that spot over. And Edmonton's just letting them. So they've got to do something because right now them sitting there doing nothing just bitching at each other back and forth that's not going to change anything they have to make a change and i strongly hope 
that they trade away one of their star players. If it happens, I mean, I'll I'll ask you for lottery numbers from here on out because <laughs> I honestly feel like it's the same odds as guessing the lottery is that happening. But who knows? I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I live for chaos. Yep. Um, you've you've seen that in the past. I love when things get hairy, except for when tournaments get canceled and my job becomes infinitely tougher. That can. No, you know what? It's not worth it because they played two games. The World Juniors, there's a yeah. whole thing. Enough people have talked about it in depth as to why it was so stupid. Um, I do kind of want to move on from the Oilers, though, because we've talked about them for almost 20 minutes. Well, there's a lot that we could talk about. And that was just the surface of yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's the worst <laughs> part. That is just like, we only went skin deep. We didn't We didn't cut at all as to the issues there. Um, as we are getting close to wrapping up, I, I do want to selfishly talk about my devils for a minute. Um, do it. Because you've got you've got the good and bad list here. Um, and yes. that's basically of the last 10. The devils are still on the bad list, but it, at least it says 4, 6, and 0. Oh, because yes. so the last five... Just for context. Yes. Sorry, just for context. Uh, the good teams, it's the top 10 in the last 10. And the bad teams are the bottom 10 in the last 10. Just so listeners can hear because yes. they can't see our notes. Um, so yeah, <laughs> Devils, last 10, 4, 6, and 0. Oh. However, if you go last 5, uh, they're 4 and 1. Yeah. And the the reason why this is fun for me is that in the last three New Jersey Devils hockey games, <laughs> five players have been hit in the face with a puck. As of now, one of them having to get broken jaw surgery, that being our number one defenseman in Dougie Hamilton. Somehow the Devils are still winning games in all of this. Uh, part of it is probably because Jack Hughes, I believe, is now up to 15 points in his last six games. They're, they're yeah, still he's, way he's... out of the playoffs, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, like, if, if this is what the universe is throwing at the Devils, no wonder we can't make it in. Literally getting pucks to the face at an almost player like two players per game rate. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, and it's not just like a, oh, you know, he got hit in the face. And he's like, okay, I'll shrug it off. These are they're hit in the face. They drop to the ice. They're out the for the game. Dead. They these these are injuries, and they're coming from pucks. They are eating pucks for breakfast. Uh, I don't I don't get how there's so many like. Are people just like, ha, you know what we're going to do? We're going to, because we can't slew foot, unless your name's P.K. Subban, <laughs> then payback. we'll just shoot people in the face with pucks. Um, like, are we just constantly no, playing been... the Dallas Stars, and you've got, uh, oh, um, what's the defender's name who always shoots at high? Klingberg. We're just constantly oh, playing yeah, against Klingberg. Klingberg? Like, I don't know. Every, <laughs> the last three games, five players, one of them with a broken jaw, and somehow the Devils are still pulling wins off, mind you. We've got more players on the COVID protocol list now, which everybody is dealing with. Yep. But but even still, they they've been they've been really good. Um, and as much as their playoff chances are zero, slim to none, um, it's still really good to see they haven't given up. They're still going. You know what? Screw you guys. I'm going to show you that we are a good team. We just ran into a lot of bad luck, and that to me shows like. A lot of heart. It shows that they're fighting for their contracts as well. Um, they're fighting for their spots. And that's, I think, the biggest thing is there's so many young players that are fighting for their spots. They're there to prove themselves every single night. And that's what, I mean, we want to top off of Edmonton. I think that it, that could be part of what's happening with Edmonton is that people, they're like, oh, well, those two are doing everything, so we don't really need to do much. New Jersey is the opposite. There is, like, I mean, Jack Hughes is killing it. But there isn't this, like, okay, we can coast because somebody else will take over. No. They are fighting for their spots. They're fighting every game. Uh, and it's great to see. It's really good for hockey. It's really good for the team. They did this last year as well. Um, and it's good to see that it's getting better each season. Well, and there is there's the player that's actually leading the Devils in the point. I doubt you can even guess who it is. Sharon Govich. Uh, no, he is. Um, ooh, let me... Let me keep scrolling. Uh, <laughs> do, 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 do. Wait, no, no, no. It's uh, Janssen, right? It is not. He is uh, second oh. on the team. So the Devils, 
oh. actually have five players with 20 points or more. So it's kind of a bit more of a team effort, oh, um, okay. sort of. Uh, Jesper Bratt, our, the sixth-round pick from way back when, he's got 32 points in 34 games right now. Wow, good for him. Again, showing, like, he's just like, I'm going to earn my contract. It's, yeah, it's luck. Like, it's, the Devils will not make the playoffs. If they do, I will be very happy. It is very much a audition for next year when you know, especially if you're a defender, um, you better be good because there's another Hughes brother coming to the team and he will be a lock to make the team immediately. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you want to have both Hughes? Like, I want all three. Yeah, you want to have the full set. Um, and it's just like, there's just kind of something fun about that. Like, PK for sure is going to be going to Buffalo next year to play with his brother. Um, but just things like, it's just kind of fun to, to have that. But even still, no. New Jersey is, they're a good team. They've just had a string of injuries and bad luck. Um, they've been fighting through it. Good teams do that. Look at, I, I mean, uh, I'll go to my team, Colorado. You know, they, holy crap. There's the injury bug and then there's the injury <laughs> bus. And we got hit by the injury bus. No, you got hit by the um, dump truck. Yeah, and like we're still suffering from it. Nachushkin is out with an upper body injury. So like you still have these things that are still plaguing the team, but the team comes through. And New Jersey is showing that they can get through that so long as Jack Hughes is on the ice. But even still... Uh, it is good to see that these these young guns are able to step up and fill those holes and win games. Yeah, if fight out games. If I will say this, Devils games right now, they're fun to watch. Hundred percent. Um, and Love to me, that's that's the saving grace. Like, yeah, the playoff hopes. As I said, I'm not expecting us to even get a sniff at it this year. There was the point, and then Jack Hughes got injured. That's neither here nor that's going to happen. And you have to find ways around that. The devils kind of did. And then COVID and then down a goalie who's now out for this. Every team goes through it. And it doesn't help that the Metro is still probably the most stacked division in all of hockey. Cause yeah, you've got the the three headed monster of the Atlantic there. Um, But I don't think it has anything on Washington, New York, Carolina, and Pittsburgh. And well, it was it was supposed to be the Islanders in there, but they're one of the worst teams in the league. If if you look at the Central right now, though, you've got Nashville, St. Louis, Colorado, Minnesota. All four of them are fighting for top spot. There's four points that separate. Them. There's only one team. That's a tough division. There's only one team though that has uh, a 700 point percentage. You've got two of them in the Eastern including the number one point percentage team in the league. You've got a team that's 10-0-0 in their last 10. <laughs> I mean, mind yeah. you, there's an 8-1-1, an 8-1-1, and a 7-2-1 in the Central. It, it's still the Metrodome. The Central is always like that, though. There's always that battle at the top. Yeah, there's always a battle at the top, and then there's always the who's going to go wild card. So... Uh, no, it's not an easy thing, but as we talk about battles, as we talk about fighting, and as you mentioned before, we probably should wrap this soon, I think it's time we shift into our games of the week as we get closer to the end of this. Um, normally we go through our previous games of the week, but I think the way that we described it was either, uh, they were obviously good because we chose them, or they were postponed. So (laughs) we're not going to go through it. It was like almost a month ago now. Feels like it. Yeah, so we will focus on the ones that are upcoming and the ones that we think that you should tune into, carve out the time, and watch these games. Brian, what are you choosing? Pending, no, well, I kind of went with, we're going to pick a game that's happening in the States because the odds are yeah. <laughs> it's a lot more likely that it will happen because just before we started to record, uh, there was four games in Canada for tomorrow that were postponed. So that's that's a whole other thing that the NHL is getting to the point where it's like, what are we going to do? We've got a three-week period for the Olympics. Um, I will go to Tuesday. So January 11th, 7 p.m. game. Uh, we actually talked about a player from this team and kind of touched on the other team. Um, the Florida Panthers taking on the Vancouver Canucks. So this one happening in Florida. Um, I think that this might actually be Vancouver's 
next game, if I'm not mistaken, because they were supposed to play Ottawa uh, Saturday night. That game is now not going to happen because of a postponement. Uh, they don't mm-hmm. play Sunday, to my knowledge, unless I miss it. Uh, yeah, so uh, Vancouver's, uh, they're going to be sitting where they are now with that very strong 8-1-1 record going up against Florida. Uh, they haven't played a lot of games, but, I mean, every single time I've picked Vancouver on this streak, it's been an unreal game, including coming back from down, what was it, two or three goals against Columbus? So, yep. Tuesday, 7 p.m., not making you stay up late, Canucks versus Panthers. Uh, if you haven't watched a Florida game yet this year, they just score. Like, I swear, every game, you're going to expect at least one team to have five or six goals, so... Yeah, that'll be a good game. Um, you look at the, the past 10 again, and Vancouver, like you said, 8-1-1. One, one. Uh, Florida doesn't show up in the good or the bad. They're kind of been sitting in the middle of the pack. So uh, there's a good chance, I think, that you're going to be right, that Vancouver is going to steal this one from, from Florida. And if that's the case, then I think the conversation of Vancouver and playoffs, it's going to be a pretty good, pretty good guess there. Um so for mine, I uh, I technically have two because I always do this cheating. And one of them I'm going to talk about first, and that is as long as it's not postponed. And there's a high chance it might be postponed. Um, but even still, the game that I wanted to originally choose was the Edmonton versus Ottawa game. And that is because it's in theory a battle of the bad. Um, Which is fun considering and- one team still has a positive record with four more wins over losses. Yes. Um, but Ottawa versus Edmonton, I think would be a really telling game. That will be a game that less so much about watching the game and having to tune in for it, but more about the after effects of it. What happens if Edmonton loses to pretty close to last place Ottawa? To the Ottawa Senators that they swept 8-0 and in the regular season last year. And if you look at the math, that is exactly why the Senators did not make the playoffs and Montreal did. So that would be a really good game, but that one has a hard asterisk on it. We're not sure if that one's going to go through. So my actual pick is going to be also Tuesday night. Uh, it's at 8 p.m. If you don't really feel like watching Canucks or Panthers, you can tune into Nashville versus Colorado. Now this is obviously I'm a homer. I'm going to be choosing Colorado just because I like Colorado. I try not to do that too much for my picks of the week. This will be a good game. Nashville versus Colorado always are very good games. They're very chippy. They're generally pretty close. Um, you've got UC Soros, who's definitely carrying Nashville, uh, versus Darcy Kemper, who is not doing great for Colorado. <laughs> so you've got you know this goaltending mismatch, but then you also have this forwards mismatch of you've got the top line that put up twelve points on Thursday night um, versus Nashville, who I can't even tell. I think it's Duchesne, Forsberg, and someone on their top line. So this mishmash of so it's going to be an interesting matchup. Nashville's at the top of their division. Colorado is got a couple games in hand. I think it's four games in hand on that. Uh, five right um, now as of recording. Five games in hand. So they're trying to make that up. Um, I think that'll be a hell of a game, and if you can tune in to watch it, that will be, I hope, a score fest. Yeah, that's uh, that's a heavyweight bout uh, as it stands right now. You've got, obviously, Nashville first in the Central, Colorado's third, so second and fifth overall in the Western. And this this was supposed to be one of those years that I think everybody thought Nashville is done. They are yeah. most certainly not. And, yeah, as much as I really want to see Vancouver, Florida... Looking at that game and looking at how those two teams play, and you just never know, that I think is is the true game of the week. Mine, mine gets pushed <laughs> a lot down the totem pole. Luckily, when you've got a game that starts at 7 and one that starts at 8, usually how it works out is you can kind of swap back and forth with the uh, the intermissions, so who knows? That's true. That's true. So I think that's, that's two, three asterisks. Solid yeah, games. Two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> if you can even call the Oilers against Senators in an NHL game. Yeah. That's that's some yeah, at this point. Yeah. That's some solid games of the week. I think that's a good place to wrap for for episode nine here on uh, Ice Prep Podcast. 
I think so. I think we've we've rambled enough about Edmonton. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't like Edmonton. So clearly, since I've been so hard on them on this podcast, this one, and just in general, um, because they have a wealth of riches and they should share. Yeah, because they're not doing anything with it right now. Yeah, exactly. It's like they opened up a bank account and they threw all of their money in and there's no interest on it. They just have the money sitting in the bank account. They're like, but it's mine. (laughs) And they don't want to share it. You know, they're droopy dog being like, no, I don't want to play. You're not allowed to have my money, Scrooge McDuck over there. And that's Scrooge McDuck hoarding McDavid and Dreisaitl. Get rid of one of them. Build that team around one of the two players. Don't try and build a team around two players. You can't do it because you don't have the budget. So this is one of those things. I want to tell you the story earlier, but I forgot. So you don't experience it as much as I do because being here wearing a mask 99% of the time, I almost did it today. I've done it before because you forget get especially when you're wearing the the surgical ones that you have a mask on um yeah one of my habits after going to the bathroom wash my hands blah 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 spit in the sink oh no <laughs> luckily i keep a backup mask oh that would have been met you got in your beard too. Yeah, it, it kind of just like stuck oh, right there did you catch it or did you just it, it, all of, it, oh it, you went for it was it. a it's oh. a it's a fresh masker I haven't amazingly done that with a drink yet. I've come close. I've also come close when I was eating a sandwich to being, hey. Oh, no. One of the perks from working at home, I guess, is you don't have to worry about accidentally having the mask on and getting in your way. No, instead, I just have to look at my horrific face all day on Zoom. 